On episode 255 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn about surf power, champion traits, and anticipation cues with Will Hamilton. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hello and welcome to this episode of the podcast. This is Mirban, and today we have an episode with Coach Will Hamilton from Fuzzy Yellow Balls. He is actually the co-founder of FYB, which is one of the biggest and most well-known online tennis instructional websites on the planet. Will has partnered with many of the game's best players and coaches to produce instructional courses, including Patrick Rafter, Bob and Mike Bryan, Gigi Fernandez, Craig O'Shaughnessy, Dr. Mark Kovacs, Faisal Hassan, and many more. He's also the creator of the Singles and Doubles Playbooks, which teach you the strategies you need to take your match play to the next level. And today I bring forth to you some of a session that I had with Will as part of a private Q&A, and there was a lot of great information in it on weight distribution for your serve, why the loading of the back leg will help you hit your serve bigger, the top pieces of advice that Will has received from legends that he's worked with, uh, the most common traits of the top tennis champions, Will's top doubles plays that'll win you more points, how to react faster to the ball in singles and doubles, and much more. So I think you'll really enjoy this one. And so without further ado, here it is. Hey, everybody. And we're here with my good friend, Will Hamilton from Fuzzy Yellow Balls, uh, who we've, we've played a lot of tennis to that, together, actually, and hung out. And it's really been a privilege to be uh, you know, friends and, and learn from uh, all the great stuff Will's doing. One of the pioneers in a lot of respects for your DC um, guys. Online tennis. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a good place to be. It's warming up. So, uh, yeah, we're just here again. What's that? I said finally. Yeah, 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 for sure. So yeah, it's it's uh it's good to have you on. And obviously, you know, you've learned from so many amazing uh, you know, players and, and coaches and whatnot, in addition to, you know, uh coaching yourself. So uh yeah, we're just here to answer some questions and have some fun. And I'll ask you some questions as well. So I'll just kick it off here uh while we get let people get settled. I mean, you know, it's obviously a tough question, but what are, you know, two or two or the hard hitting material right at the top three. That's right. That's right. I want to know everything. No, what, what are maybe two or three pieces of advice that you that you've gotten from, you know, the world class players and coaches that you've uh, been associated with that you have implemented like in your in your tennis, like, you know, when you're playing, you think like, oh, you know, Martina said this or the Brian yeah. said this, et cetera. So what are those few things? Well, first of all, uh, Christopher, uh, Jamie, Paula, thank you for uh, for joining us right now, spending your uh, Thursday evening with us. Yeah, I, the one I was thinking of right now, like a couple months ago, I was I felt like I was being a little passive at the net when my partners were serving. So the uh, the and I'm typically pretty aggressive. I mean, we've played together, you know, I'm pretty aggressive, mm-hmm. but I I thought I wasn't being aggressive enough. So the very simple thing, Bob and Mike have this thing called the pinch. 
where if if they're at if, if the player you know the net player they literally just kind of stand in the middle of the court um they're not doing a full mm-hmm. poach they just kind of imagine just taking a couple steps over towards the center service line so what i what what they do and what i reminded myself i need to do is if my partner gets their first serve in just instead of split stepping forward i kind of split step forward into the and towards the middle of the court so it's mm-hmm. like a it's like a diagonal split step just so i'm in position to pick off any balls through the middle there's some exceptions to that if the serves out wide then you might not do it uh particularly on the deuce court to uh to a righty's forehand but on the on the ad court i wouldn't be as worried about the down the line yeah yeah that's one that you know sorry to interrupt but um we were talking with rick macy earlier today around two o'clock and yeah it was fantastic i think everybody here so far was on that call but yeah, he just talked about in general how um tennis players they they leave too much of the middle open in doubles and you know like when they get burned down the line once then then you know it just kind of freaks them out um when when in reality it's just yep. you know one point and it's a very hard shot so I, I do like that one. Um, do you have any? Do you have another one you want to share? That was the one that popped in mind. Let me uh, give me some like specific topics. So I, yeah, sure, uh, sure. So how about serve? Now it's tur- coming to me. Serve, serve. Okay. Uh, uh, just making sure I stay sideways. Uh, really using my back. Like so, this is Dr. Mark Kovacs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is really making sure I'm twisting my hip back and down, getting my back leg uh, loaded. Um, has added a lot of power and RPMs to my serve and then just staying so not opening too soon. That actually, now that I think about it, I had a shoulder problem in my twenties. Um, I just turned 40, but I had a shoulder problem in my twenties. So I was over rotating. So I was just facing the net when I was making contact, just putting a lot of strain on my shoulder. And Mark took a look at like literally one look at my serve. He's like, Oh dude, you're, you're over, uh, you're over, or he said mates because he's Australian. Uh, he didn't say dude. He said, Hey mate, he said, you're over rotating. Uh, so just stay more side on kind of towards facing, have your chest facing the side fence. And that not only helped my serve, got more spin, more kick, but my shoulder's fine now. So, I mean, th- I was like literally waking up in the middle of the night. If I rolled onto my shoulder, like it was bad. Mm-hmm. So that okay. one personally was a big game changer for me. Um, just from a health standpoint, um, as well as just performance on the court. Um, no, there, no, sorry for cutting you off. What, what was the last prompt? Oh, no, I was just trying to think of just random topics. I was going to say like um, singles returns, for example. Dude, my my return is messed up right now. Um, really? My, my forehand return so? is like a little, I think I know what I'm doing, but I uh, have a tendency sometimes to uh, lean back when I hit forehands because I try and lift them and get them high to mm. a back. I'm left-handed for everybody watching. So when I lean back, I can kind of arc it higher. And so sometimes I forget to step into my forehand return and and leave the string bed a little bit open and then i'll golf the uh golf the return mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. I, I i i think i've got that under control so but we'll see i'll tell you tomorrow i'm playing doubles tomorrow so we'll see nice nice it's more double think- singles is not a problem because you can stand a million miles behind the baseline and just roll it back uh and you don't yeah. have to worry about getting it by a net player yeah yeah and we've had a lot of epic uh epic uh points together so uh and yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. You know, I'm just going to ask this one last question, then we'll uh, take some from the audience. But, you know, just in looking at kind of your resume and from memory as well, I mean, you you work with Patrick Rafter, Bob and Mike Bryan, Gigi Fernandez, Craig O'Shaughnessy, Dr. Mark Kovacs, uh, Faisal Hassan, who's a great coach as well, and, you know, a bunch of others who I'm probably forgetting. But how did you meet, you know, the first one of these um, big shots and then you know, how did it go from there? Because it's just, I think a lot of people probably wonder, like, how did 
you know, a nice young man like yourself just to get linked up with like all these. You don't know me that well. You guys don't know me. That well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, um, I think some of it uh, was uh, timing and luck. Um, not to detract from the work I put in, the work that anybody puts in, but I think I think um, everybody needs to get a little bit of luck. Uh, a little bit of luck. I was working at the tennis center at College Park in 2005 and 2006 and that's where uh francis so i would show up at work and the the janitor there um the custodian was like literally living in the broom closet and his kids would run out of the uh broom closet and it was mm-hmm. you know one of them was Fran- it's francis and franklin but frank uh francis is obviously like 30 what is he 30 in the world now or something like that yeah um yeah. it's just crazy i've known him since he was five years old uh, so he came out of the tennis center at College Park, but another pro who came out of there, who was maybe about 13-ish when I was working there, was Dennis Kudla. Mm-hmm. And so Dennis's okay. coach, Frank Salazar, uh, at the time, is a really good friend of mine, just because we, you know, we, were, we were working together. He's sort of a mentor of mine. I learned a lot from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful coach. And so Frank connected me uh, with Dennis's agent a guy named Sam Duvall, who yeah. also worked at the agency that rep the Bryan brothers. So I got in contact with, with Sam and, uh, Sam is a, is a, is a very sharp guy. And, and this is back in 2010, 2011 could kind of see the potential of what the internet could do. And so coming I mean, back, I mean, like 2010 at this point is like the dark ages of the internet, you know, it's like, everybody now has a, has a phone with a camera on it, but I mean, this, you can take an incredible video with this. Now the videos we were, I mean, we had these huge cameras back then they were, they were enormous. They were unbelievably expensive. They can't do half. We had to record the tape. Uh, this is just, you know, this is just 10, 12 years ago. So wow. it was, it was very much like cutting edge at that point. So, so Sam just, you know, thought, thought it was an interesting opportunity. So we worked out a deal to, to work with the Bryans and then, once we had that six, so, so some of it was just, you know, it was, it was lucky that I was working at this facility and, and was able to get connected with, with the right folks. And then once that worked with the, that, we had that first success with the Bryans, then it became a lot easier because it was just, you know, if, if it worked with Bob and Mike and they vouch for you, it's, it's pretty easy to get connected with, with other folks. So that's kind of what got it going. I mean, it's uh, very cool to hear that uh, that story there. So we'll open it up to questions right now. Um, I have some questions that were submitted in advance as well, but uh, happy to go to Flaggers anybody. can't join us live. What the heck? <laughs> I don't know. They have better stuff to do, I guess, than to hang Apparently. out with us fine tennis folks. But uh, but yeah, if, if anybody right now would like to pop in and ask something, um, just go ahead. I'll wait for a few seconds. Otherwise, I'll ask these questions that I have. Hey, Chris. Hey, man. Hey, good to talk to you, Will. Um, through a, I've been through a lot of your programs um, cool. since you guys started, and good luck to you guys. Do a great job. Let me Appreciate ask you a, qu- a quick thing that um, Mark Kovacs, I know you've worked with a lot, and particularly was mentioned tonight of serving off the back foot. Mm-hmm. Um, could you go into a little bit about that and when, like Mark would talk about, when would the weight transfer take place, if at all? That is, hmm, Maribon, you might be able to do better with this question than I would just because, yeah, in terms of like, when do you center the weight and stuff, I'd have to almost go into the motion 
like shadow my motion to figure that out. I don't know, Christopher. This is not a very ask me a question I can answer, Christopher. Come on, man. Yeah, I th- yeah. I mean, he does oh, liken it to sorry, a. Buddy. Sorry, yeah, buddy. yeah. No, it's a it's a real good question. Now I know that it, as far as like conceptualizing it, he likens it to like a, a shot put. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to remember because we talked about a little bit about this with Rick earlier today as far as like pushing up with the legs and all that. But, you know, I've, I've actually, I've asked this question as well from different instructors and some of them, they, they vary even in the amount of like weight on each foot. Like I know that Mark, I think he says something like 70 on the back, 30 on the front. Some others say, I think that's what he said. Yeah. And some say like 50, 50, but as far as the weight transferring the exact timing that, I mean, that's a great, I'm going to email. I, uh, let me write this down. I'm going to email Mark about this because Christopher, that's, that's... Christopher, Christopher, the advantage of working with all these experts is I don't actually have to know anything. I just have to ask <laughs> questions. So, <laughs> no, but I, I just found it interesting because, you know, all my years of studying with different professionals and whatever, Mark seemed to really emphasize that so much. Yeah. Uh, you know, he talked about style and I forget the other you know, terminology we talked about, but he was seemed to be so big on that and that his studies showed like all the players it was the back foot. And yet, you know, sometimes you're watching players and particularly those going to pinpoint. It's like, let's face it, they're going to go to pinpoint. The weight's yeah. got to come forward, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere along the line. And then I know when you demonstrated with the shot put, uh, so to speak, you know, working yeah. with them. And I said, you know, it's, it's, I said, I've never really seen the concept uh, before. Mark is like, you know, obviously knows the stuff as well as anybody. We're so huge on that. We're so huge yeah. on it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like when, once, um, when, when I first got started, my understanding of, of the game is, was very, I guess you could say, inferior compared to now. Just because when you worked with all these folks, you realize you might have had a, a perspective that wasn't entirely accurate or just was, mm-hmm. was not necessarily completely informed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a good example of that was like pronation. If you listen to Mark talk about pronation, everybody yeah, talks about right. it just, the, just yeah. the hand and it's like, no, it's the whole arm turning. Yeah. And so it's just little things like that, um, which uh, the, the, and it's the same thing with like Craig O'Shaughnessy is just, there's a lot of, I guess you could say conventional wisdom that wasn't necessarily rigorously tested um, scientifically, analytically or, or otherwise that in the last 10 or 15 years is, you know, is, is starting to be looked at. Uh, and so that's why I, I like working with, and very much when I started, I was relying on some conventional coaching ideas that I think are probably dated at this point. Um, so it's been a continual learning process for me, just like it has been for, for everybody in, in uh, just anybody who's trying to improve their game. So that's why I enjoy working with, with the Mark Kovacs or, or uh, Craig's of the world because they really are trying to put some of the stuff under the microscope and, um, and break new ground. So the, the leg thing, like the back leg thing, I never, never knew about until I, I talked to Mark, you know, it was just sort of like, Oh, you jump off your legs, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I remember there was an intuitive uh, tennis video about that as well. Like kind of even critiquing that, that point from, from Mark. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was trying to think some more about the weight transfer and, you know, I, I almost feel, and, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not like the expert on it, but for example, like when, when, when uh, Will, you and uh, Mark do that, like the, the one legged drill, which yeah. is fantastic. You know, you yeah. feel, uh, I, I mean, as soon as you, are pushing up with your legs and you have the racket drop, I feel like your weight is, you know, 
moving forward, you know, into it sure, already sure, at that sure, point. So sure. I feel like it, it initiates, you know, once you, uh, once you start pushing off, it's kind of like, you know, with like when you're storing the energy, it has to go forward to, you know, to some degree, but I don't, the exact amounts, like, I don't really know. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. It's always such uh, an interesting balance too, where it's like, did Mark, so Mark said 70, 30, you know? Yeah, I, I, I'm like 90% sure about that. Um, well, it's just it's just like an interesting, like, from a learning style perspective, like, is that information, I'm not saying it's not important, but is that information necessarily good for a student to have? You know what I mean? It's like, how much information do you want to provide when you're teaching? I, I know from my own experience, if I'm trying to figure something out, I'm like, okay, how do I boil this down? So I'm not doing the information overload thing. Like, like if you're just studying it and, in, and, and interested in it, um, then I would, I, you know, I accumulate all the information, but then it's sort of like parsing or, or trying to, trying to simplify it. Cause I'll, I don't know about you guys, but I, I will get information overload and overthink myself. Um, but, but, um, that I guess there's a, there's a, there's a line between sort of the study phase and then the execution application phase of, of how you would put that all to work. That's why I love the back leg jump drill. Cause it's like, it gets you kind of doing the, the right thing without yeah. having to think about it. Yeah. You know, anytime yeah, you exactly. can kind of turn it into feelings um, and not thoughts, swing thoughts or whatever. <laughs> yeah. hundred um, percent. And we got a question in the chat as well, but does anyone else uh, want to chime in at this point? Otherwise I'll ask a question. So Jamie. Hello. Hey. I'm Jamie. I live in Philly. I'm a 2-5, trying very, very hard to get bumped to 3-0. Um, USTA captain. Um, play at Germantown Cricket nice. Club, which is only relevant because people have heard of it. Um, <laughs> it's uh, We have everything. Grass, clay, everything. Um, to oh, it's that, it's that. Yeah, that one's the, the famous. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, we're awesome. Um, <laughs> But but specifically to what you were just saying about overlearning or over complicating things, it's interesting because last year I did the OTI serve 30 day challenge or whatever. Yeah. I, I like re-engineered my entire serve. And right as I came to the end of it, you and Kovacs put out your thing on the serve. And I was like, I cannot like it might be all the same information, but you're overloading me with eight stages when like the challenge was like here's today's progression and here's mm -hmm. today's progression mm -hmm. like by the end of it i probably hit everything that was in your course except that it was one at a time and it yep. didn't break my brain yeah so well, that's i mean and and that was uh, uh i think a great example our earlier stuff was just like here's a bunch of information we just dumped it on you uh, and the videos are like 30 minutes long and i was like mm -hmm. i don't even want to watch this stuff i made it and i'm like i'm you know <laughs> <laughs> so we've tried to tighten everything and get it a lot shorter um, and to the point. And honestly, a lot of our stuff isn't really even a course anymore. It's it's more drop in and get what you need, almost like consuming content from a cookbook where you know your favorite cookbook has a hundred recipes and you, you you've used five of them, you know. So to kind of decouple the the, the requirement to go A to Z to get the result and then just instead drop in and be like, oh, here's a play or here's a drill that'll do X, Y, and Z. So I, I completely agree with you. I mean, um, it was it was certainly a mistake we made earlier on. 
Yeah, and especially because I'm still taking lessons. So I'm looking at all of this stuff on the summit mm -hmm. as supplemental to what I can get from the pros I see every week. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, the internet is an endless abyss of information. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's, if when you actually go out and try and apply this stuff to have it just narrowed down to a very specific thing is is the way to go. Whether that's tennis or, I mean, trying to learn anything. My uh, Maribon knows this, um, and the answer is no, I'm not going to tell any jokes, Maribon, but my <laughs> pandemic activity was uh, comedy writing. Uh, and I, you know, I'm a total beginner. Uh, and so going out there trying to figure out how to do it, some content was way better than others because some of it was just this hour long thing that you could have made the point in 30 seconds, you know? Oh, your joke needs a premise. Cool. You know, that didn't take an hour to explain. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thank you for that question. So, um, or comment rather. So Paula has a question here. No worries. You're about the camera. So the backhand volley is her biggest issue. Uh, it seems to be good when she's at the net and her backhand volley is guarding the line, but when she's on the other side, uh, her backhand volley covers uh, and her backhand volley covers the middle. She yeah. seems very tentative and lets things go by a lot. How to change this. Um, I'm wondering, uh, Paula, uh, uh, supplemental question. Is that because on, I'm assuming you're right-handed on the deuce court, when you're covering the line, you feel like you can swing towards the middle of the court and you have more leverage to volley into, you know, kind of almost volley cross court, but on the ad court, you're now kind of hitting an inside out volley a little bit more. So it's tougher to get leverage on the ball and kind of stick it. Yeah. She said, yes. Well, she said, I think she said yes to the first part. I don't know if she said yes oh. to the second, because the yes came in uh, uh, with the middle volley. But I'm, I'm just wondering if it's the inside out uh, element of it, too, is um, hmm. like I'm the yeah. only choice guarding. Oh, as in it's the only choice is, is cross court is the only choice of where you can aim the thing uh, versus. Is that the question like your target? Your target is like when you're guarding the line, your target on the deuce court is only cross court, but you have more options in the ad court. So you're not really sure. I think it's more of coverage. It seems like, like she's the only one guarding the line. So like she's, she knows she has to hit it maybe, but when, when it's, hmm, let's see. Okay. Yeah. That might be it. Well, I'm, I'm, so. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to interpret it as uh, there's more targets 
in the ad court. And Paula, if that is wrong, you can just follow up and say that wasn't my question. And, I'll, uh, and you can also I can unmute you if you want, and you can you can chat with us. Like you don't need the, the video necessarily, Paula. So you can unmute yourself, or I can unmute you. Um, well, I'll just I will proceed, and then uh, yeah, Paula, proceed. You, you want to jump in? Um, oh, so okay. on the just in terms of a target on the ad court, like if you're moving to the middle, if you poach, whether you're in the middle of the court or you just full poach, you don't want to volley it back towards the baseline player in the ad court because then they have to hold down the line they can hit into. Uh, there might be um, there might be an exception where you can hit a sharp angle, uh, but you really need to hit a winner in that case. So if you're going to, if you're going to cross like that, the target is either you're, you know, maybe through the middle or at the net player's feet or just wide past, uh, wide past the net player. Um, and, uh, and that should solve the, uh, the targeting problem. Uh, in terms of the, uh, in terms of the leverage, the leverage thing, one of the things I, one of the mistakes, like my volleys, I used to make a mistake, and I don't know if you're making this mistake, but I would reach for my volley. So I'd hit them too far out in front, and I would get a weak wrist position like this. You see that a lot, this kind of volley, where you want to be more like that, and you're, 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 you're almost waiting on the ball a little bit. At least, at least the sensation for me is I'm waiting for the ball to get to me so that I can do, you know, so I can really get a good, you know, knife on it, even though I don't know if that's technically the right way to think about it. But I would I would examine the next time you volley if you're if you're reaching for it because then you're going to lose all power on the ball. You're not going to be able to put it away. Uh, and um, if you hit it at the net player, you know it might bounce in front of them or something. They can step back and have time. But you don't necessarily need to kill it. You just need to hit you know a solid volley and get it to land at your opponent's feet, and then you're going to be uh, you're going to be in good shape. Yeah, and I think you're reading the follow up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I see. I see what you're saying. Okay. No one is behind. No one's behind you. Keep in mind though. So it depends on your partner. Like I, um, I have a partner who does not serve volley and has got a really bad backhand. So if the ball gets back to that backhand and I'm just standing there like a spectator, we're probably going to lose that point. So sometimes, so it obviously depends on the quality of your partner's backhand. If they have a great backhand, then maybe, Maybe you let it um, you let it uh, go by because you think your partner's going to win it from a baseline exchange. The other thing, and I learned this from uh, uh, I was just with Navratilova about six weeks ago, and she was talking about the specific situation is in the um, in the ad court uh, play Aussie. So you want to actually stand in the deuce service box right by the center service line, move your partner to the middle uh, serving, and so if your partner's serving then the uh, the ball is going to be returned down the line to your partner's forehand, which presumably is the stronger shot. Now your forehand volley is in the middle, so you might be able to cheat over and get it. So, and then, you know, keep in mind in that, in that situation, if it's down the line ground strokes, it's more your partner's forehand at your opponent's backhand, unless they try and run around it. And what it also does, if, you, if you're facing an aggressive poacher, it takes them out of it, right? Because the ball doesn't have to cross them on the diagonal when you're in a down the line uh, rally exchange. So there's a number of benefits there. You might want to try that. I mean, if you're winning points with you being passive in the ad court, you know, maybe that's fine for now, but that's, um, you know, absent you, uh, you know, door number one is you just get a little bit more aggressive and selectively and see what happens. Uh, but door number two is try the Aussie. 
Good stuff. Good stuff. So again, everybody, you know, feel free to hop in and ask a question in the chat box or just come on down and uh, talk to us via video or even audio. So I have a, a question here. Chris, that was pre- Chris, did you have another oh. question? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. You can go, Mirabon. No, we don't need to listen to Mirabon. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Christopher, go ahead. I'm taking over the Zoom. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, looking at uh, your past work, Will, and I guess your future, you've worked with a lot of, a lot of champions of mm-hmm. Martina, uh, Gigi, yep. after the Bryan brothers. Mm-hmm. Did you see any commonality amongst these champions that made them really champions? Mm-hmm. A common trait? Yeah, I think the, uh, the, the main thing, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, but I think the, the main thing that, I tried to take away was uh, just how diligent they were on a daily basis um, at honing their craft. And that doesn't mean like they spent hours a day on it. They did, but it was all very deliberate what, um, what they were doing and they weren't really wasting any motions. So I think the, the, the book I would recommend reading has nothing to do with tennis is called atomic habits by a guy named James Clear. I'll put it in, uh, in the uh, chat. And uh, it's one of the, the best books I've read in, in the last couple of years. And it's all about ha- making these big changes. And this is back to Jamie's point as well about uh, OTI uh, Florian's challenge is just one day. It's a very simple, you know, here's the small thing you're gonna do today. Here's this next thing the next day. And so Atomic Habits is basically how do you get these big results with very, very minor changes um, on a daily basis. So like, like, like the reason it's called Atomic Habits, he means like small, like as, as small as you can possibly imagine, because that's how people actually end up changing their behavior, saying I'm going to uh, go cold turkey and never eat another cheeseburger again. I'm going to cut my diet and all that, like just a massive change like that rarely works because it's just so so big and so um that this book shows you actually structurally how to do that so i would um i would i would recommend reading it it'll change i mean you can use it to change any area of your life but i think there's a lot of practical application for your tennis game as well uh so like you know one of the things i did uh, again another pandemic activity was I do 18 minutes of yoga every day. So I was having like back problems and like, you know, knee problems and all sorts of random stuff just because, you know, running a website, you sit in a computer chair too long and then you go and play tennis, which beats your body up. So just that, you know, and I was able to, I'm able to get through 18 minutes and do it diligently. Like if it's 25 minutes, maybe not. Right. I don't have that level of discipline. So they, you know, all of these pros are masters of habit. Um, so I would, uh, that, that was, that was maybe not the answer you're looking for, but I think one of the, the things they do that allow them to maximize their talent, you know, it's one thing to be able to hit a flashy forehand, but it's the, it's the mundane stuff that actually gets that talent and ability out of you. Yeah. Good stuff. And, uh, I like this one, which I think this is in atomic habits. Um, so one thing I did last year while I was working on my server was I booked extra time on all the days I was already scheduled to play rather than trying to make myself do something on off days. So isn't that like habit stacking? Is yeah, that's exactly what yeah. it is. Yeah. 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 Um, that's funny. That's, that's one of the thing, I mean, do you want to, you know, Maribon, you, you dropped, if you want to 
explain habit stacking. Sure. Yeah. I mean, from what I remember, it's essentially you, you, if you want to develop a new positive habit, you can stack that on top of other habits that you normally are are doing throughout the day. So like, you know, say if you, you know, you're, you want to do push-ups or something like, (laughs) I guess like, you know, if your routine is to brush your teeth and then stretch and that then you 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 put in the uh, the push-ups and that so i don't know that probably wasn't the best explanation but is that like kind of how you remember would you modify that in any way yeah it's it's habit stacking or you're piggybacking off of a habit you already have yeah. so if you brush your teeth every day add flossing right because it's yeah. it's a relative it takes two minutes it's a very minor addition to something you're already in the habit of doing and then you just kind of keep doing that keep stacking um uh again to get these longer term benefits the thing that was really interesting uh i meant to mention a second ago christopher was uh james clear talks about how if you improve at something one percent every single day by the end of a year you'll be 37 times better at it yeah so it just, just shows the power of just you know these little these little micro adjustments yeah. And another real good point that they made in the book is um, how, you know, with habits like, uh, well, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but I think there was an example where this individual, like they were, they, they wanted to floss, but it was, it felt like too much work for them. So then the the person, whoever was helping them said, just have the goal of flossing one tooth a day. So that makes it like, so, so seriously. So that makes it like so easy that like, yeah. there's no way that you can't do it. Oh my gosh. So you, you know, great. you had the habit and then eventually he's like, well, if I'm going to do one, I'll do them all. So it's kind of like a trick. Imagine you only lost one tooth for like half a year. Your dentist would be so confused. Be like, why does, why does this one part of your gum look great? And then the rest <laughs> of your mouth is just a disaster. I think that's <laughs> worth it just for that. Or you can, you know, you can rotate. One I'm going to let you do that. that. I, I care about okay. my oral hygiene. You can test it out. Let me know how it goes. I don't know. I'd like to be able to eat, eat food, but, uh, good stuff. So I will ask, uh, uh, the question, uh, one of the other questions we got, um, beforehand, is it possible to get a good top spin without a loop backswing? I played first competitive match at 54 years old. Awesome. And learned watching on TV. So now I want more top spin, but I start with the racket low in the back. So, yeah. So can you, can you generate a, you know, good top spin without a, a loopy backswing and starting it just like low? I mean, yeah, you can. I mean, if you look at, you know, there's a lot of, you see, you'd see it more on like a two handed backhand where it wasn't like Michael Chang just dropped the racket right yeah. down. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think the main thing with the, with the loop is it's just more of a rhythm thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know what Mark would say about that. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, the reason you add that loop in there is just because it helps with the timing. Yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. Just, uh, helps me kind of like easily get to that record drop position and I have like momentum and then, you know, you can get yep. a little bit more of a swing speed than, than the low drop. But, uh, let's see, Alyssa, I'm definitely going to read this book. Excellent. Let me see what else. Jamie longer swing path equals longer hitting zone and less error. Right. Oh, I don't know who I got that from. Maybe OTI. Did you see that? Do you see that comment? Well, yeah, I see. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, they're trying to, you know, Mark's thing, at least, 
is like imagine a series of balls you're trying to swing through all of them and yeah. i think patrick mortagla how do you pronounce that guy's name mortagla mortagla yeah it's super good he looks like a bond villain <laughs> He does. He's like very handsome, yeah. you know, yeah. got the slick bag of hair. He's got the accent. Yeah. He was waiting for him. Like he should have faced off with Daniel Craig. Um, we should have seen him at that poker table in Casino Royale. <laughs> Maybe one day. We'll I know. See. We need to make that. We need the remake to happen. Hey, look, yeah. the guy coaches everybody. He coaches everybody. I mean, got the track yeah. record. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's with Halep now, I guess. Right. And no longer yeah, with Serena. Yeah, I think Sissipass is in there. Um, but he says something. He has a video where he talks about really trying to swing through the ball, too. That's how he got on. That's why I was going there. Um, yeah. His channel, I don't know if you've checked out his YouTube channel. It's blowing up, but he does a really good job. Yeah. yeah I just love how he says super good. I don't know. It's, it's a funny does phrase. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that is super good. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's see. Oh, we have a question for me. Oh, that's a good question. Sorry, this isn't like super substantive, but I'll, so I'll whip through it. But uh, Mirabon, congrats on a fantastic summit. Do you really have a daytime job? You spent an insane amount of time on the summit. Yes, I do. Uh, I do have a full-time job, which Ian told me to quit uh, when he came down here. But uh, yeah, he, he, said, he said, let me call your boss, give me his number. But yeah, I actually, uh, I definitely took off for the summit. I just, I couldn't do that like while working. But, you're yeah, you're burning vacations so you. to do the summit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez, that yeah. is commitment. That is, <laughs> thank you, thank you. My goodness. Yeah, well, I've got enough. It's fine. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, again, if anyone else has any questions at this point, feel free to hop on down. Um, Burning vacation days. Yeah, yeah, that's how I roll. But, uh, okay, let me ask one right, right now. Um, what are maybe a couple of your top, your most, most favorite doubles plays, just basic doubles plays that you would tell any any players like from 3-0 to 4-0 uh, that that they should just they should implement that are you know percentage plays that that are winning plays. Yeah, I think the uh, the the one that I love the most is uh, uh, when uh, when your partner hits a body serve, and this is something like like Jamie at the at the two five level. Um, when your partner's serving, like maybe they don't have the most control over the ball, but if you see that they've hit a body serve, so let's like take, let's set up a scenario. You're in the deuce court, you were at the net, your partner's obviously serving. If they hit a body serve and from your perspective, again, you're at the net looking at the returner, you see them move to the right to get out of the way of the ball to hit a forehand. So they're moving to the middle of the court as they hit a forehand, that ball is almost definitely going cross court. So you should just immediately poach. doesn't matter if your partner is uh coming to net or not or knows that you're going to do it or not you should just at least you know kind of slide into the middle of the court if not outright sell out because that ball is is likely coming through the middle and the same goes for the ad court as well if the, if you're if you see them move to the middle of the court sort of the left from your perspective to hit a backhand that ball is going cross court um i know that's your backhand volley so it might not be as uh comfortable but those two tells are great great places to start they're just they're just money in the bank at any level i mean it doesn't matter if you're a complete beginner or a professional tennis player mm -hmm. that was one and when, that was what i got from average Tolova. yeah that's a really really good one and, and just kind of you know some some people may be wondering like why is that like for the first one where you know if it's coming to and i you know i'm, I'm guilty of this because i love hitting my four 
beforehand. So I'll, I'll do that a lot of times as well. And yeah, I think it's a pretty much always cross court, but is it basically because just, just how the, how the, the way the body's moving to the left and the angle that, that the racket face would be that it's just extremely difficult to hit it inside out down the line. Is that pretty much. Well, your, your weights go to the middle of the court and yeah. then the swing is, you know, circular. So it's going towards uh, cross court. So to get it down the line, you have to push it and you're just arming it. You know, you've yeah. got no body behind it. You have to push it in the opposite direction that your body is moving. I mean, it can happen. Like people, it, it you know, you I play people who do that sometimes, but it's a hard shot to hit. And if you can pull it off, like good for you. But I'm going to, you know, I will take, it doesn't even matter if the guy like, like knew I was doing it. I would still do it and I would expect to win most of those points. It's just, yeah. it's, you're asking someone to come up with a very difficult shot and do it consistently. Yeah. Yeah. The next time we hit, I want you to, uh, hit serves, um, down the T and we'll practice that. And then I'll tell my opponents. Well, not this tea, I go body serves. Yeah. Body. Okay. Body. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the body uh, serving double the body. So like in singles, people tend to go wide and T a lot more, but in doubles, you want to go way more body. It's mm-hmm. not about aces. It's about trying to, jam your opponents don't let them get a full swing don't let them set their feet so your partner can then go get the ball so yeah, like the yeah, brian's right. the brian's were like always trying to hit body serves and martina because it you don't you don't get as clean of like the you don't a body serve gives you the net player a, a clean ability to read where the return is going to go based on which way the the returner is moving like in the ad court for example if they're moving to the middle to hit a backhand it's going cross court but if they shift from your perspective, if they shift to the right to hit a forehand, they can now pull it down the line. So that might be a situation where you would fake and then you would come back. You'd show them the line and then you come back, take it away. Then they hit it right at you, which is obviously a great situation to be in because unless they hit a you know, super low ball, um, then you can you know, hopefully volley that for a winner or hit them a tough volley back and uh, be in control of the point. Gotcha. Uh, we've got a question in the chat, uh, Paula, when you do the split step and are following, um, slash doing the bounce hit routine that I learned in an earlier zoom, I think that was earlier today. Do you land in your split step on the hit when you're watching your opponent? You're in the middle of your split step when they hit or sorry, when they make contact, you should, your feet should be, you know, at their apex. You should be basically be the apex of your split step. If you look at all the uh, like the freeze frames of that, when an opponent is hitting, the other player is in the middle of the split step because you're not you don't want to land when they hit because you still don't know where the ball is going. You don't you're not going to be able to like visually process where it's going until it's you know I, I don't know exactly where it'd be, but it's going to be like, you know halfway to the net or something like that. So you want to be landing at the second that you uh, figure out. Like you, you are able to visually process where it's going. Sometimes you even see the people they're coming down and they realize like, while they're still kind of coming down where it's going so they can land on one leg and not the other. So they can push off. I think that, am I, am I, I think I'm right about that. Marabon, right? Like sometimes they're coming down and they've already recognized it. So they kind of land on one leg and they're stepping out with the other one. Yeah, hundred percent. Exactly right. And, and if you want to see a visual of what Will's, uh, what he just mentioned, uh, you can go to Ian Westerman's, uh, lesson for this year's summit. And, uh, I think one of the, like the first third of it was him talking about the split step and the exact timing 
it was a doubles lesson, but it obviously you know, was the same. Um, and it sure. tracked exactly what, what Will said. Yeah. With the timing. That was yeah. one of our first videos back in like 2007. I have a, I have a picture of Murat Safin. And he's like, he's mm-hmm. like facing like John Isner or Mofi or something. And like the Mofi is serving and the ball is on his Mofi strings and Safin is in the middle of a split step returning. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I mean, I have a bunch more questions unless somebody wants to, but yeah. Okay. Great. Jamie. Um, first of all, I feel like I asked the question that led to the bounce hit discussion earlier. Um, I do that a lot. Um, so, um, nice. specifically I use bounce hit a lot because I'm usually very in my head and I'm trying to be less in my head, uh, analyst statistician. Um, uh, my question is, as I said earlier, like I'm a very technical player. I'm not for the most part worried that I lose matches because of technique. I lose matches because of not technique strategy, mental game, anticipation, these sorts of things. Mm. Um, You know, I spent all winter trying to focus on split step on every ball. I'm still not sure I'm actually doing that, but I'm trying. But I'm still missing cues constantly on the other side of the net, constantly missing things I should have seen, singles or doubles. Um, And, you know, I just can't react as fast because I don't see it until the ball's like at the net. And then I'm like, if it's not, if I'm not at the baseline, I'm screwed. So any, any advice on reacting faster, seeing things sooner, I guess. Specifically, specifically for doubles? Singles or doubles. I play both. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, some of it is just uh, situationally. So let's take that. Sit- so, so at least it doubles is a good example. It's where my head typically goes to is um, the body language stuff we were just talking about on uh, the return, right? Where you're at the net and you're watching the returner that's happening before they even hit the ball. So if you see that, that's like a cue or a tell, I, people call them cues. I call them tells. That is a, t- I was a former poker player. Um, that is a tell to, uh, poach or in the ad court, if they shift to from your perspective to the right, to hit a forehand, that's a tell that the ball could be pulled down the line. But all of that is happening before they even make contact with the tennis ball. Um, so as much stuff as you can accumulate like that, you're going to be in, 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 uh, like kind of the further out, you can see what's about to happen or, you know, what to look for. So another one, let's, let's build off of you're in the ad court returner shifts over to your, to the right to hit a forehand. If they hit the ball down the line at you and you volley it back at them, you should, if you hit a decent volley, you should poach on the next shot. Doesn't matter what kind of shot they're hitting. If you hit a decent shot, they are most likely tr- going to try and bail out cross court at your, it is one up, one back at your baseline partner. They're trying to hit the safer shot. So that's a situational tell, right? It's not necessarily something that your partner or your, your opponent is doing with their body language. It's just, they hit it at me. I volleyed it back at them. They're probably hitting that ball cross court on the next on the next one so i would if you see that exchange right whether honestly whether it's the deuce or the ad or ad or the deuce if the person hits it at you and you volley it back to them at the baseline just poach on the next one if you hit a decent shot if you hit a bad shot you should but so it's that that'd be another one i would just file away and, and use the very next time to play 
All right. I really hope that you enjoyed my interview with my friend Will Hamilton from Fuzzyella Balls. Uh, definitely check out his stuff. Uh, all the links are in the show notes in your podcast app of choice. And I also would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that at tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts or just hit the review button in your podcast app choice. I also want to leave you with a quote, as I often do at the end of the show, and this one is by Avijit Das. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. And Avijit says, there can be no real achievement without any struggle. That is something huge to keep in mind. Uh, Just accept that you're going to struggle and embrace the struggle, and then you will succeed. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. This is Marban Aranshad signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.